RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. I'm feeling like a live show. How about you? It's Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. And you are all up in Mission Log Live. That's the show where we get together with you, our Star Trek pals, and we talk about Trek and other things, whatever's on your mind. And that is precisely why you call in, because we don't know what's on your mind yet. So give us a shout. There are a few ways to do that. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also call us like Bell called Watson, 646-558-8656, 646-558-8656. Then enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and in the comments. Then you are on with us. Joining us this week, it's Lisa Hansel. Oh, sure. You may know Lisa as the makeup artist of some renown. You might know that Lisa is a sci-fi geek as well. You might know Lisa was one of the producers of Star Trek Continues. But did you know that she's also producing a new film that features some Star Trek alumni, too? You want to uh, talk to her about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, of course, the number to call is 646-558-8656. 646-558-8656. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments, or you can join our Zoom meeting or use the one tap from your smartphone. Um, you know, this is not the last thing we're going to do. Heck, this isn't the last thing we're going to do. Well, it's the last thing we're going to do this week with you guys, but it's not the last thing. Hey, John, uh, what's coming up from us? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, There's I, bound to be stuff, though. I'm fairly certain. There is stuff. There is cool stuff coming up. So as we look ahead on the calendar for Mission Log Live, guests always in play to come on and talk to you and have you talk to them. On the live show, Dr. Erin McDonald. Erin explains the universe. She's going to do that in the 59 minutes that we have on a Tuesday night. Dr. Aaron will explain the universe to us. We will have Kevin Dilmore. Now, you probably know Kevin as a, a co-writer of many a Star Trek novel. He's also the Hallmark guy. So all those Star Trek Hallmark ornaments, he's the guy. So we're looking forward to having both Dr. Aaron and Kevin on to join us there in the weeks to come, plus many more cool guests. So keep tuning in Tuesday nights for that right here on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. And then we've got more stuff coming out in the virtual realm. Yes, some VR events coming up in Sansar. Uh, Rod, I don't know, maybe I should say the full name, Rod Roddenberry, for people who don't. Uh, no, is hosting a screening of the short film Instant in Sansar. That's coming up on the 30th of August. He's going to be there with, I think, one of the producers and some other people involved with the uh, involved with the short film. So you will want to check that out. And then we will be back in the Nexus on September the 13th for the next wave of Star Trek trivia. Round one of our trivia tourney, which is short, by the way, for tournament. Who are the players? How will they be chosen? Yes, as a matter of fact, we do have a lot of questions that we need to figure out the answers to so that you can answer the questions that we'll pose um, Thursday, the 13th of September in Sansar. And that's going to be the start of, oh, I, you know, in my head, it's kind of like how I thought there was going to be a whole army of people in Lieutenant Jay's shirts. Mm-hmm. I had this crazy idea that we would have a trivia tournament, which means we're going to have enough people to do trivia that first week. 
And then we'll have completely different people, you know, like a month later and then completely different people a month later. And then we get them all back together for the big tournament to end the year. Not like New Year's Eve because I want to be in reality on New Year's Eve. (laughs) Right. I don't want to be in, not that there's anything wrong with spending New Year's Eve in virtual reality. It's just, you're likely to spill your drink. So anyway, uh, the trivia tournament, if you feel like that's something you might want to do. And by the way, one last thing. If you don't have all the virtual reality gear, you don't need virtual reality gear to participate in the Sansar stuff. Uh, you do need a machine that runs Windows, Windows 10. But go to sansar.com, uh, uh, get your uh, free account there, build your avatar. And then even if you can't, you know, don the headset and, and, and see everything in 3D, you can still be there and interact. And uh, we'd love to see you for all the stuff that we're doing there. Hey, Ken, I'd like to say hello to some of the people who are saying hello to us. We got Benjamin, we got Chuck, we got Kim, we got Carlos, we got Ron, we we got uh, John, we got David, Christine, Christine, who apparently never is free on Tuesday nights, but she's free tonight and she's saying hello. So uh, we got Matthew and uh, we've got uh, Brian, just so many friendly faces out there watching us live tonight. Great to have you all with us. And um, I have no segue. I'm just going to jump right to the poll. (laughs) So every week, we like to ask you a poll question. Uh, Last week, you know, we we were fresh off of that news from Vegas about Patrick Stewart coming back as Jean-Luc Picard. And we asked you in that new series, which Picard do we want? Do we want TV Picard or do we want movie Picard? And uh, Brandon, our technical director, chose exactly the right images. He chose a thoughtful, uh, diplomatic-looking Picard for TV Picard. And then he chose a machine gun-wielding, Borg-shooting Picard for movie Picard. 82% of you said TV Picard. 18% of you love Borg getting shot with a Tommy gun. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what we get when we get new Picard on TV. Yeah, we, we we should have pointed out that uh, votes here don't count towards anything. Nope, not <laughs> it's at just all. A question of, no, no wagering. Yeah, yeah, what you might want to see. So it's not like, well, uh, the people have decided 82% want TV Picard. So back to the drawing board, guys, or whatever. <laughs> or yay, we're doing exactly what we should be doing. It's just, uh, it is interesting to hear what people say um, as far as which one they would rather see. I'll be curious to see which one turns up. In the meantime, as, as you pointed out, John, we do, have a, uh, we do have a poll question this week as well. Uh, practical or CG? Which, of course, is inspired by the fact that we are, uh, we're joined this week by somebody who does, who does makeup and, you know, and a bunch of other stuff, too, but does makeup for, um, well, does makeup for fans, does makeup for productions, uh, all of that. Well, I, I don't know if you can actually say that putting plastic on your face is completely practical, but, you know, works in practical uh, makeup, uh, certainly. So practical or CG is the question. Uh, right now, practical is running away with it. 74% say practical, 26% say CG. And while we might talk about makeup, we're not just talking about makeup. It's ships, it's sets, it's the whole nine. It's, you know, green screens versus, you know, sets that are built out and all that stuff. So the poll question, practical or CG, cast your vote because every vote counts towards the counting. But again, the world's going to go the way it does. (laughs) I I pretty much will always come down on the side of practical. I'm really? Thinking, yeah, yeah. Look, if we're talking uh, models and and ship effects and stuff like that, to me, you still cannot beat 
the refit enterprise and that nine minute fly around in the motion picture. This is one of the great special effects sequences of all time. Yeah. Okay. See, here's the thing. If you're talking about makeup, if you're talking about people standing there and interacting, I'm all about practical. If you're talking about spaceships, I don't see any problem with a good uh, computer generated ship, especially because that's much easier to, uh, that's much easier to model, right? It's much easier to fool the eye, basically. Like when uh, that gigantic ship in Discovery hit that other gigantic ship and basically tore it in half. Yes, yes. You were never going to be able to get that with a model. And the fact that they could do that, they could have done that and then started over if they wanted to. Whereas like so much stuff on Star Wars, it's like, okay, make sure all the cameras are set because we can blow this up exactly one time. And and right. and it blowed up real good. Uh, yeah, right, right. That uh, that trench it blowed up real good. I mean that that's the thing. I, I just I, it, look. I love to be fooled by CG. I, mm-hmm. I really do. But uh, uh, so often I feel like I am not fooled by CG. And, and I just if I want to see a, a real model, like a practical model, a thing that's three D that has some weight to it. That's that's what I want. But you know what? We, we can bring this into the makeup realm as well when we welcome our guest, because uh, I'm very interested in the blend of practical and CG, particularly as it applies to makeup. You mentioned a little show called Discovery. Uh, we, we see a little bit of that there, too. So without further ado, let us say hi to our guest, Lisa Hansel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We're very glad that you're here. Now, um, we kind of always kick off an interview with a guest by getting your, in a nutshell, your sci-fi story, your Star Trek story. So how far back does that go? What brought you to it? And and now, like so many people, you, you know, you had a foot in the fan world and a foot in the professional world. Bring us up to speed. Star Trek for me was something that, I can't remember the first time I fell in love with Star Trek. I, it was at a very, very young age. Um, like very many children of my era um, and this era. Uh, broken home, mom working three jobs to support three kids. I feel like I was raised by Captain Kirk and the, the crew of the Enterprise. I would run home every day from school and watch it religiously my brothers would have to fight me <laughs> to get any, any screen time during that hour. I've always, always loved Star Trek. Wow. And so then, then uh, take us a little bit through the, the professional career then, because now, as we mentioned in the intro, you do makeup uh, and you've done it for fan productions, for independent Star Trek productions, you know, make up for fans, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. But uh, your love of sci-fi and Star Trek has now got you into the, the practical workmanship of making Star Trek happen. Yes, it has. I started actually at the Las Vegas convention so 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, I was cosplaying to Paul. I had the the outfit, I had the uniform, and I had the ears, and I had no idea how I was going to put them on. I thought maybe double stick tape. I really had no clue. And someone said that there was a, a guy in the makeup room, or in the dealer's room, doing makeup. And so I went down there and met him, and he put my ears on and my eyebrows on. We became fast friends, and that friendship grew into a marriage. He's my husband, Tim Vitito. 
Uh, he and I are co-makeup supervisors on Star Trek Continues and co-makeup people on a lot of things. Um, I bring more of the beauty makeup and he brings more of the sculpting and the making of prosthetics. So we're kind of a double threat or one-stop shop, if you will. Um, and it was it was seamless, really, to marry that sort of thing with my love of Star Trek. It's kind of funny because you've got, I mean, I'm thinking about, so you both had to work on Spock, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, he had the uh, he had the eyebrows, certainly, and he had the ears, certainly, but he really rocked the eye makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. It's a confident Vulcan to rock that smoky blue. It does indeed. Let me ask you, was there, so when you guys started doing, because there are so many things like, People complain about, oh, there's a new look for the Klingons and Discovery. And and J.J. Abrams, you know, redid a lot of the look of things when he did, um, you know, his line of movies. And even in the next gen, there were some times where, well, I mean, the changing Klingons from the original series to um, the motion picture. What's interesting about what you guys did on Star Trek Continues is it was you wanted to almost feel like you were walking back onto the set in 1968, 1969, right? Yeah. You're, you're sort of recreating a lot of those looks. I guess a couple of things I'm wondering is, is there anything that was particularly difficult to recreate? And then also, is there any kind of like, is there any sort of trepidation? Like that's going to be under a microscope because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes Star Trek fans can be sticklers. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Wait, <laughs> Yeah, that was the goal. Any makeup artist on a production is going to come on and do what the director tells them to do. So the makeup choices that you see in other emanations of Star Trek are they're probably collaborations between the makeup department and the director, but a, a makeup artist pretty rarely gets to just go do what they want. So in this case, the case of Star Trek continues our whole goal was to recreate the look and feel of the original series. So yeah, sticking to those stringent standards, as you say, was very tough at some times. Um, Tellarites were probably the most difficult, just mostly because of budget constraints. We're on a shoestring budget, crowdfunded. We had to get really creative. There were a lot of challenges. So, uh, so I want to talk to you about that. You you started out kind of coming into that project as the makeup person, but you then are an associate producer, a producer on the show. You got to wear a lot of hats, and that means that you had influence in so many places. Uh, so it's not just makeup that had to be spot on, but it's your influence that made everything look spot on and everything tick. Can you take us through a little bit of that and, and just talk about uh, kind of how your role evolved and, and what areas then became under your purview? Certainly. Um, I came on the show before the first episode. I wasn't part of the, the vignettes. Um, but back then, there weren't a lot of us. <laughs> they were with a skeleton crew. We hadn't proven what we could do. Nobody had seen our episodes and seen how pretty darn awesome they are. So we all did a lot of things. I started out uh, helping out with social media 
uh, took over the Facebook page and Twitter, Twitter, that sort of things. I have a wonderful volunteer. Thank you, Linda. I love you so much. Who will queue up the posts for me and then I can just go in and kind of manage them. Um, the, it, it came up, came to be the three of us kind of at the top. That would be Vic Mignana, who plays Captain Kirk, who's our exec producer at the head kind of in a production Captain Kirk standpoint. And then uh, his bones and McCoy were myself and James Kerwin, who co-wrote and directed many of the episodes and was also a producer. And the three of us just kind of did whatever needed to be done. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writing and directing that, that uh, post-production sound, uh, all the effects like adding in judder and film grain to make it look more like, cause we're shot, we shot digital. Um, James handled a lot of those tasks, uh, those aspects. And I would handle, you know, emails and the public and that sort of thing and you know, give input here and there on an episode. But uh, yeah, James and Vic largely drove the creative aspects of the episodes. Excellent. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Then enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description in the comments, or you can join the Zoom meeting or use the one tap from your smartphone. There are two directions I want to go, and I don't know which direction to go first. So I'm going to ask one of you to remind me to come back to the one about how, like the suggestions that you would have for people who want to do, you know, makeup and that kind of thing. So remind me to come back to that, if you will. Um, what I'm wondering about right now, though, is, is there a favorite episode of yours and, and Star Trek continues? And, and then I have a follow-up question after that, but let's start with that. When you look back at the 11, it is 11, I believe. Uh, yes. When you guys, when you look back at the 11 episodes that you did, is there one that you're like, ah, yes, that's the one or, or do you, can you, can you separate out a favorite from the rest? Oh my gosh, Ken, that is a really hard question. Um, they're all beloved for a lot of reasons and different reasons from a makeup standpoint. Um, I think my favorite would have to be still treads the shadow, which was episode eight where my team and I got to turn our captain Kirk into very old captain Kirk. And that was a lot of fun and working with um, a double when Vic was old Kirk Greg, who was his double, was young Kirk and, and vice versa. So in essence, we really were getting two people into old age makeup several times a day. It was, it was quite challenging, but I'm so pleased with the results. Um, as far as an episode storyline, I'd have to say episode nine, What Ships Are For, is probably my favorite. That um, guest star, John Delancey and Anne Lockhart, Elizabeth Maxwell, it just, it's a, get you right here. You, I, I know that you had a, uh, the, there was a motto on the show. Um, and and I, I believe it even made it to a t-shirt or two. Uh, and, and that being, it's so Star Trek. <laughs> to, tell, tell us about, I, I mean, first of all, when did that come up? And second of all, what, what were the moments that made you and everybody else there go, ah, oh, it's so Star Trek? that phrase appears on every single one of our cast and crew t-shirts. They had uh, t-shirts made for us for every episode and, and in quotes, it's so Star Trek exclamation point shows up on every single one of them. 
because from the very first episode, we would be setting up a shot. Matt Busey, our director of photography, photography, who is an absolute genius with light and angles and knows Star Trek, he would be setting up the lighting and we'd just, he'd turn the camera around just so and we'd look at that monitor and gasp because we could swear we were looking at an episode of the original series, but this was what we were doing. And we would inevitably just say, it's so Star Trek, so Star Trek. We have a video caller waiting. We have Casey, who has been so patient. Casey, what's up tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, hey. I, I decided to be on the same uh, time frame as you this, this go around. That, that is so it, helpful to not have that delay. That's uh, yeah, it, It's like it we're live tonight. talking to each other. What's up tonight? It's, it's the perils of space travel. No, you guys are amazing. Um, the uh, I just want to extend my my uh, personal thanks uh, to your guest because um, it's it's almost like you know the, the, your poll question is really apt because there's this uh, devotion and love for what's come before, and uh, there's it's sort of competing with a need for. Um, you know, changing things up. And uh, whereas I thought uh, the J.J. Abrams movies uh, did it a little too much, they kind of reinvented a little too much unnecessarily. Um, and and without the same um, aesthetic of things making sense, um, which is what the original series uh, excelled at, you know, they, they, they uh, um, the design of the, the bridge on that original Enterprise is outstanding and the actual u.s military ended up using ideas from it you know modular consoles and stuff so uh discovery i think is is it's by no means looks like star trek continues you know uh but it's hard to to find that that perfect ground i think what they did with star trek continues is beautiful um it's very lovingly done uh, but I, I think that just a lot of what they on discovery is beautiful too. Just, just keeping with the spirit of things and still showing the love. So it's not quite trials and tribulations. Uh, you'll find out what that is in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think there's room for it all infinite diversity, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, to that point, and obviously the mission of Star Trek continues was to continue making exactly what TOS looked like to finish out as if the show went off in June of 1969 and it picked up again later that year with, with a new cast, but it's the same show continuing on. And I'm curious, Lisa, um, what Casey is talking about here, you know, you guys, you all had this common vision of exactly what this show would be, of exactly what it would look like, exactly what it had to feel like. Um, a, I'm sure that that was incredibly intimidating on its own. <laughs> um, so I would like for you to speak to that. And and B, I'm just curious, how do you even wrap your mind around, oh, okay, we're going to do this thing that will be enormously difficult, that will take a lot of time and effort and probably personal expense and last over a period of years. Um, did you know what you had signed up for? <laughs> no, I don't think any of us ha- uh, knew what we were, had signed up for. 
Um, Vic has said on many occasions that uh, he had no idea how, how it would be received. He wanted to make one and people liked it. So then we thought, well, let's make a couple of more. And then it kind of snowballed and it became the goal to give the fans an ending to the 50 year mission to, to bring some closure to that. And I'm really grateful we were able to do that. Absolutely. Um, sorry. What was the first question? <laughs> uh, that, it was all, all of the above. I think. Okay. You it. Yeah. Thank you. Casey, you got anything else for us tonight? Uh, oh man, Kevin Dillmore. What a great guest to have on. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm out well, of that remains him, to be- but, um, the, what what I, I know you guys don't <laughs> I know you guys don't uh, uh, talk or, or uh, read much about the novels, um, uh, but they're outstanding. I mean, ever since uh, Marco Palmieri started uh, doing what he was doing in, from 18 years ago now, 2000 onward, um, what Kevin Dilmore is doing in a literary way is exactly uh, what what your other guest is doing in a in a the televised way, I guess Um, it's uh, bringing, bringing that, that absolute uh, flavor of the original series um, into the 21st century, into something new and beautiful. So uh, I, I'm excited. Thanks for, thanks for being here guys. And uh, I love talking to you as always. And Casey, thanks so much for calling. Ken Ray is awesome. I don't know where he went, but he's, he's right here. I'm right here. Thank you. (laughs) There he is. I went out for a smoke. No, I didn't do that. I don't <laughs> don't smoke. It's just terrible. Thank you very much, Casey, and thank you very much for uh, for calling yeah. in tonight. Always, guys, you're awesome. Take Bye. care. Bye. I'm going to do the number again, and then John, do you want to pause for a second to do some business, or what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. Do the All number. Right. We'll do business. We'll come back. I'll do the number. We'll do the business. It'll be great. Six four six five five eight eight six five six is the phone number to call. Six four six five five eight eight six five six. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments, or you can join the Zoom meeting, which I think is actually how Casey joined us. So you can see that works. And then you use the one, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone as well. Um, am I early on business time? I don't have my glasses on, John. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're just a couple of minutes early on business. All right, time. Like, well, that's no, no time like the present for business. Sure, because, you know, anytime's the right time, I suppose. Uh, We have this shop that we like to tell people about. Why do we like to tell people about it? Because we like for people to know what's there and maybe shop there, too. Uh, If you go to missionlogpodcast.com and click shop in the upper right-hand corner, you will be face-to-face with a bunch of really cool stuff that our friend Carl, Carl Huber, has actually designed a lot of it's stuff that Carl's designed, some of it's stuff that we've carried over from our uh, previous shop as well. Um, in fact, John, why don't you tell people the kinds of designs they'll find? Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can go to the shop and then you can leave the shop being uh, cool as Kirk. Uh, <laughs> you might even take home ethos pathos logos. You might take home something like uh, with a travel motif, uh, like say the uh, Ditalics mining corporation, uh, well, a little corporate motif, actually uh, yeah. the Nova squadron, the, the late great Nova squadron. Um, you might have bonk bonk on the head since 1966 and then you might even find your favorite lieutenant my favorite lieutenant oftentimes a viewer of this show lieutenant jay yeah jay is represented there there's carbon chauvinism there's uh isolinear john and ken there's all kinds of crazy stuff for you to enjoy 
there are silicon supporters as well and here's the thing how you enjoy it is is largely up to you if you just want to stick that stuff all over the place you can have it all on stickers if you want to wear it around you can wear it on a hoodie or on a t-shirt uh there oh, are oh, wait, wait, and, I hate to interrupt but uh but carlos is pointing out uh in the chat right now in all capital letters with i believe eight exclamation points tapestry well, I was just saying tapestry, <laughs> but thank you both very much. I appreciate that. Point is, there are lots of different ways to enjoy uh, the stuff that we have there, but there's only one place to get it. Go to missionlogpodcast.com, click shop in the upper right-hand corner, and then, should you feel so inclined, uh, shop. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and thanks for checking that stuff out. That's uh, Yeah, next year, by the way, uh, we had four people, myself included, show up in the Lieutenant J shirts. Next year, I'm aiming for eight. Yeah. I'm aiming oh, for eight total. Easy. Yeah, so uh, so I need at least four of you sometime in the next eleven months to uh, to uh, to buy a T-shirt and also plan to be in Las Vegas for STLV 2019. Uh, 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. You can also uh, click on the thing, or you can click on the other thing. And then you'll be here talking to me and talking to John and talking to our guest, Lisa Hensel. Um, So it's interesting. I've heard Vic say this before, Lisa, and you said it earlier as well. The plan was one and done. And then, of course, you know, people liked it. And so you kept making it. And I don't want to get into all the businessy business stuff, you know, with CBS and whatever. But at this point, the most you might be able to do is two and then you're out. If somebody came to you today and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this Star Trek thing, what's your advice? What would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, I'm going to do a fan-produced Star Trek whatever? Would you say, that's a great idea? Or would you say, okay, but you understand? Or would you say, have you ever thought about doing, you know, something else? I would say that I would never discourage anyone from being creative, from doing something creative. If they're passionate enough, I know how much work it takes. If someone can, can put that kind of time and effort and love into something and do it, do it by all means. But don't, you know, absolutely, you know, look into the guidelines and regulations and don't get in trouble along the way because, you know, you want to be out of jail for your next thing. We were talking about jail before we came on. <laughs> we were. And for the record, nobody here is in jail. Yes. That was it's well established thing. earlier. It's a good yeah. thing. Um, okay. But, but along those lines then, Lisa, so you met with and, and you worked with all these incredible people. You got your Michael Forrest. You got your John DeLancey. Uh, even had Marina Sirtis come in and do a guest voice, which uh, I absolutely love. So now you, you have this collection of very talented people around you, uh, actors and writers and directors and producers and, uh, and all these people. And now you have stepped up to do something very different, which would be when the train stops. So give us a, a quick idea there of what that is and kind of the, the DNA from Star Trek continues. It has worked its way into when the train stops. Sure thing. Excuse me. When the train stops was written by Bernadette Hale, who is the sister of Diana Hale, who is the wife of Michael Forrest who played Apollo on uh, Who Mourns yeah. for Adventist. He was the guest star, our very first guest star in Star Trek Continues. And we fell in love with him. Oh, my gosh. He and his wife 
They're so adorable. And we get together once a month for Forestinis, which is a martini made by Michael Forrest. Um, just became family. They absolutely became part of the family. And which is kind of a running theme with Star Trek continues. Our guest stars end up being part of this family. And we're so big now after 11 episodes. Um, she, the, 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 so the story was written for Michael. It's kind of a Twilight Zone-esque um, psychological story with a twist. It's a short, it's about 20 minutes. Um, they approached me about a year ago to produce it. And, you know, I was a couple of Forestinis in and I said, absolutely, let's do this. <laughs> um, but I'm a person of my word. And <laughs> now we are in post-production just about to do our final sound mix will be finished with the film in about three weeks and having stars like John Delancey and of course, Vic Vignana, Rekha Sharma and uh, the lead is played by Darren Jacobs, uh, someone that the, the Trek community doesn't know yet, but he's amazing. I worked with him many years ago and thought if I ever produce something, he's going to be in it. So watch for that guy. Um, it's a, it's a really fun short story. It's, I'm so proud of it. I can't, I can't tell you how proud I am of it. There's a, a beautiful original score. Um, and here I'll, I'll break this news for you. Right. We had a guest musician for this, the musical score, our composer, Mike Avenham. He wanted to have uh, an instrument called a sarangi. Hmm. And... That that's not it's not an instrument that whose sound can be easily reproduced digitally. Um, but he you know didn't know anybody who played it. It so happens that Rekha Sharma plays the sarangi quite well, and so she is a guest musician for the score for our short film. Um, it it just goes to show how many great people I've been privileged to meet through Star Trek Continues. Um, every one of them that are in the film have become really, you know, good friends, not, not just necessarily business associates, but really good friends. And that's, that's who you want to work with because that's how, you know, you know, what are the, what is, what is the saying? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Oh, I thought it was uh, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember which that's direction. That's yeah, it. I just I wasn't sure. Okay, um, <laughs> no, that. But so done in three weeks, and then how and when and where can we see it? Uh, it will first make the festival circuit before okay. we seek distribution. Um, we we crowdfunded the whole thing on Indiegogo, and um, there there are perks that allow an early download or early viewing. So some of our donors, thank you, donors, will get to see it. Um, as soon as it's finished and, you know, finishing touches are put on it perhaps in about a month. Um, the rest of the world, if you're not going to one of the festivals, it might be a little while. So, 
And what festivals are we talking about? I mean, are you talking specifically about short film festivals, sci-fi festivals? Are you talking about like regional comic cons? I mean, where, where do people need to keep an eye on it? I mean, I know you've got a website, which I want to, we want to direct people to that as well. But I mean, like what kind of festivals are we talking? Do I need to go to Telluride or can I go to, you know, comic con Duluth? I guess is what I'm wondering. Um, I will be hitting all of the best festivals. We're going to meet the Sundance Film Festival. Late deadline is September 14th. It's etched in my brain. Um, the Toronto International Film Festival, Berlin. We're, uh, you, you can't be over 15 minutes to go to Cannes, and we're 20, so can't do that one. But I have a list of film festivals that I want to just kind of trot it out, you know? A, a short film for a producer is a calling card, kind of a, hey, look at me, this is what I can do. Do you have work for me? <laughs> um, so, because, yeah, I'm just so proud of this that I'm absolutely going to submit it everywhere I can and hopefully go to as many as I can, but that's certainly not a criteria. <laughs> cool. Uh, field trip to Berlin, everybody who's uh, watching the live feed right now. So, uh, yeah, put that on your calendars. Very nice. Hey, uh, if you want to be a video caller, you can join our Zoom meeting. You can use the one tap from your smartphone. Or if you want to call in, like, you know, callers do, uh, 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call, 646-558-8656. That, I believe, is how Earl, Earl Green, as a matter of fact, joins us this evening uh, by phone if we uh, if we have him there. Earl, how's it going tonight? It is going we have a little bit of a storm blowing in so my timing is as usual impeccable nice <laughs> well done Earl. <laughs> what's on your mind tonight sir well i had a uh, I had a question regarding the episode what ships are for which is uh first off i just i think the whole i think the whole episode deserves a shout out because it's one of those things where you know as soon as the message landed you know, just right before the, the plot wraps up, you know, I could swear I heard Gene Roddenberry jumping up and punching the air somewhere. I mean, it was <laughs> such a, it, it was such a good message show. And, you know, by golly, if Gene wasn't doing that, I was. Um, wow. Fantastic. However, the question, the question I have there is that John Delancey's character in What Ships Are For is, um, he's, I, I'm, going to try not to spoil this for anyone who hasn't seen it and if anyone hasn't seen it uh, you know please do catch up um it's good stuff but john delancey is a a head of state shall we say who uh really does not want people from other shores coming to his metaphorically speaking you know and a uh trying to translate that from from space terms to naval terms and whenever the rods and cones in everyone's eyes begin working again and we come out of black and white. Uh, John Delancey's character is very vivid orange, perhaps somewhat similar to a, another somewhat less fictional head of state who's in the news a lot. I was wondering if this was, you know, if this is just a coincidence and it's one of those things where I'm reading my thing into it and overlaying my interpretation onto it. Or if this was something where, you know, there were a few giggles going around saying, oh, yeah, let's make him bright orange. Actually, it was co uh, completely coincidental. Um, I went through several color combinations to come up with colors that 
would complement each other. We have, on one hand, we have aliens that have orange skin and black hair, and on the other hand, there are aliens with yellow skin and purple hair. We, we tried a lot of different color combinations and came up, I, I told Vic at one point, I cannot have our guest stars looking like a bowl of hard candies. So <laughs> we, and he agreed completely. So um, we, we just tried a lot of different color combinations as far as skin and hair tone go. And, and that's what we came up with. Um, a lot of people draw parallels between um, politics and that, that episode it it that it was written well before the election it was it's really very coincidental any parallels that people are drawing toward it and and it's hilarious and it tells me that we're doing star trek right if it makes people think and we got i I get i got all the emails from star trek continues I, i see all the social media messages and we had people telling us on one side I hate that episode. It's too liberal. And other on the other side, I hate that episode. It's too conservative. That just told us we were doing exactly what we should be doing. We're making people think. And Absolutely. I mean, conversations. And that was probably that was my favorite part. I think about the episode was the aftermath from the fans. It was really great. But no, to tell to, the orange skin was incidental. Okay. Well, I, I will cop to that being, you know, my, my overlay, my interpretation, but I just, I couldn't look at it and not see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Earl, you were so diplomatic in how you phrased that question. Uh, you should really have a job on mission log. Uh, nicely done. Nicely done. So, man, thanks so much I for calling keep in. You out of trouble. Okay. <laughs> thanks for calling in. Really appreciate it. And until next time, sir. Thank you. All right. So I have a question. And, and I said earlier, please remind me to come back to this. And I can't believe I remembered to do it on my own. Um, did you did I hear you correctly? You weren't doing anything like professional makeup before you uh, sought out help at Star Trek Las Vegas. And then you sort of came into it that way. Furthest thing from it. I've um, managed restaurants. I've uh, worked at a veterinary practice. I've worked in hospitals. Um, kind of the common thread is that I've been a manager and doing makeup for a film, especially if you're supervising a department, is managing. So it, it still spoke to my talents. So then... So then what would be your advice for somebody who is interested in, in starting? Because, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that we would talk to who would say things like, well, if you didn't start doing it when you're eight, you know, or if you didn't start playing with this forever ago. I mean, if, 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 if somebody was interested in learning more is what's your uh, what's your advice on how they should go? Um, it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to pursue whatever it is your passion is. The, it's oh my gosh! Just the only thing worse than not pursuing your pursuing your passion is just letting another day go by. Oh my gosh! Um, as far as someone who wants to pursue makeup for film and television, um, the most important thing I think is to learn the the business. You can learn the skills. You can you know know how to 
you know, prep a face and, and slap on the prosthetics. But the makeup artists that work are the ones that understand that it is a business and it's a whole production. And the makeup artists who understand what the sound guy does and how, you know, how sensitive the camera lens is and you can't be spraying hairspray near it and, and you know, just stay out of the way of the lighting people, just being hyper aware of everything and being ahead of the production, you know, eavesdropping on the director. Oh, what's the next scene? All right. I'm going to be there before he asks. Um, those are the people who, who work. So absolutely. Of course you have to know the skills and you have to learn the trade, but if you want to get, you know, ahead, learn those other skills too. learn to be a team player on a production on a set and you will work. I want to switch well, gears. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Well, no, forget, if you will forgive me, John, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, along a similar line, though, you said a sentence earlier that I was like in my head, I was like, that's not a sentence I've ever said, although I'm thinking maybe I should start. You said, you said to yourself, if I ever produce something, I'm going to have that guy. And I'm like, who says to themselves, if I ever produce something? So I guess the follow-up question I have is, I mean, well, not a follow-up, but along a similar line, I'm not even certain I understand exactly what goes into being a producer. I have sort of a, I think maybe a little bit of a textbook idea, but I mean, can you, can you talk to me really quickly about what it is that takes you from a couple of drinks to producing a short film? (laughs) This is besides poor judgment. Sure. Um, (laughs) Kidding. Um, A producer herds cats um a producer just is assigned to the project and all aspects of it from start to finish other people will come on to to help in their particular areas and then they move on but the producer stays with the project from from script from concept to script to to funding you know to pre-production and hiring your crew to production post-production uh, marketing, it's just, it's like I said, I've been on this, this is a 20 minute short film that I have spent a year of my life on. Mm-hmm. I've done some other things here and there, certainly, but it's absolutely taken over, uh, pervaded a lot of my life for the last year and will continue to do so at least for until next summer or beyond, probably beyond <laughs> if everything goes well. So, uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta love the material. You gotta love what you're doing when you decide to get into it because it's, it's you, you're it, you're the buck stops here and starts here, uh, as far as what a producer does. So. Well, uh, since we're getting kind of toward the end of the show here, there's something that I want to talk about, switching gears just a little bit. Uh, You've talked about your experience as a fan at a convention and how that now led to this whole other experience in your life. But what I'm really interested in is that every every year in the recent years, you've been coming back to Las Vegas, you've been doing makeup for fans. 
and you've been getting to know fans at Star Trek Las Vegas. So it's a whole different dynamic. Your experience is very different. You got to sort of pay it forward as the, the fan who was there to get your Vulcan ears done. And now you've met some awesome people. You've done some incredible work while you're there. I'll mention one. I, I know you've got others that are memorable to you, but our friend uh, Kayla LaFrance, who was uh, on King of the Geeks, uh, sorry, King of the Nerds, right? And then... Yeah, and then she was on our show as a guest. Uh, she won a competition that Roddenberry had when we had the Roddenberry stage, I believe it was that same year, and won a full Klingon makeup uh, job by you and Tim. She did, yes, she did. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, my gosh, she was so excited. And she works at NASA, so we were just as excited to be working on her. She's like, oh, wow, you're a makeup artist. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you work at Mission Control. We were nerding out all over each other the whole time, absolutely. But she was, she's, you know, she's a Klingon at heart, absolutely. <laughs> You know, talking to her like she's into hockey and all this really cool stuff. And I'm like, this is the perfect makeup for you. Perfect. So I was just I was thrilled to to do that for her. And I just every time I remember the first time I got ears put on and I looked in the in the mirror and went, I'm like, what? That's crazy. And I love seeing that look in in the faces of other people, be it actors or fans, especially fans, because I get it. I totally get it. We've, we've been very fortunate to meet a lot of great people through. And and I know that in Vegas. Yeah. And and you, you've made friends with, uh, with Oren who um, I, yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about her. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Big heart. Oh my gosh. Oren. Oh, I can't even remember. It's been, we've, I don't know how many years we put on that woman every year in Vegas, she would come and get her ears pointed. And we, we work with in foam latex, which is a little more stretchy and a little more one size fits all. I mean, your ear is like your fingerprint. It's so personal. It's really hard to make anything that's one size fits all for that. But uh, these ears that we have, they're uh, from rubberware. And they fit on her ears so perfectly. I, 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 it's amazing. Once we blend it in, get it, get it all seamed, you wouldn't, even, even up, up close, you know, as a makeup artist in film and television, you're like, would this hold up to HD? <laughs> but it does. <laughs> and she wears it. We put it on day one. She's always our, you know, she would always be our first uh, person. And she would wear it the entire convention and even home on the plane. TSA, TSA let her get on the plane <laughs> with the ears on because they looked so natural. But yeah, we just, we love Oren. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, we've got the lightning round coming up in just a moment. I feel fairly certain that uh, John has told you all about the lightning round, Lisa. Uh, before we get to that, though. Yeah. Um, uh, see, Lisa and I, were, we talk a lot. But yeah, uh, it, yeah, it didn't come up. The lightning round really didn't come up. Yeah. Really, no. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's I'll tell you about it next time we get together. Yeah, it's an amazing surprise. But you'll find out in a moment uh, what the lightning round is. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind people about something that would be great for them to do after our show, and that is stay right where you are. Uh, stay on Facebook, that is, and catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. What? Another one? 
Uh, it's not the only other one, but yes, another one. Each Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. That's TV and movie news. That's gaming news, literary reviews, and a bunch of other stuff, too. Uh, they kick off uh, really right after our show is the plan. So every Tuesday night, as soon as we're done, uh, what you do is you then point your browser to facebook.com slash priority one podcast or go in whatever app you're using to watch to priority one podcast on Facebook and uh, settle in for priority one, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast uh, streaming live here after us or again, uh, podcast.roddenberry.com. If you can't stay and and watch their show live either go to you know apple podcasts or whatever you use to catch pod or um or uh, go to podcast.roddenberry.com and and see what they have t- turned uh, their live recording into so um lightning round john you want to do the lightning round oh i love the lightning round and yeah i know I'm you sure do that- and lisa i'm sure you yeah. I've just been dying to do the lightning round ever since you heard about it a minute and a half, two minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I have no doubt you're familiar with the concept. Basically, we throw a lot of things at you and you answer us back as quickly as you possibly can. Okay. All right. Uh, best makeup in all of track. Saru. Really? Okay. Right. And, uh, and, and a, a blend of practical and CG. So interesting. Yes. Yes. Uh, your favorite starship from Star Trek? The Stargazer. Oh, nicely done. Favorite Star Trek episode? Um, Darmok. Nice. Favorite bad Star Trek episode? Spock's brain. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I don't know if that's my favorite bad episode, but it is a really good bad episode. Uh, Abbott or Costello? Costello. Presley or Costello? Costello. Yeah, very interesting. Very good. Uh, Favorite warp speed? 7.5. Wow. (laughs) I love that. Good. These are really good. Um, She had an answer to favorite warp speed, John. Yeah. Oh, oh, I do too, but I don't play the lightning round, so nobody will ever know. Uh, Favorite technology from Star Trek? Your favorite tech track, Trek tech? Transporter. Of course. And speaking of transporters, the uh, the question to end all questions, have you been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have not been. It's on my bucket list, though. I would love Is it to. really? I would love That's to. That's great. Yeah. I'm a Vulcan through and through. Well, Klingon sometimes. But yeah, <laughs> I would love to go. Love to go. I love the fact that you actually know what I'm talking about, because we've had everything from uh, people saying, of course, have you not... Uh, all the way to Doug Drexler saying, why would I want to go there? So, <laughs> which is really, that's an apologies to everybody in Vulcan because it wasn't me that said it, it was Doug, though I do bring it up about every other week because it was really a... He will never let it down. It was a priceless no, moment. No. By the way, uh, Christine is saying, Lisa, road trip to Vulcan, I'm in. So you've already got a, uh, a travel partner there. So Christine, Yuri, and Michelle, we're going to Vulcan. Oh, God. oh, that would be awesome. This is all going on the Mission Log Road Show. Uh, this is going to be an amazing trip. Yeah, this yeah. needs to be a whole series. Yeah, 2025. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm thinking. If I ever produce anything... 
right? It's be a documentary of your road trip. Exactly. Your road trip to Vulcan. And of course, if I'm on the road trip producing the film, I'll, I'll be able to ask you how many foster teenies, Faustinis, what are they called? I don't even remember what they're called. Forestinis. Forestinis. How many did we have before I said, yeah, I totally want to produce that documentary. <laughs> I hope it's the least too. <laughs> I want to be the only lightweight in the room. You guys are so much fun. Better than a poke in the eye with a stick, as my grandmother would say. Okay, well, that's that's high praise. Um, I, I'm going to ask really quickly. So obviously, we've, we've all just come off of STLV. You're talking about going into uh, the different film festivals and things like that. Are there other are there other events? I don't know about you, John. I know something about you. You know a little bit about me. I know a little bit about you. I'm always amazed. Like I will get like mentions from people like the weekend before they go to what sounds like a fairly big con saying, oh, I'm spending this weekend at this fairly big con. I'm like, how did we not even know about that? Yeah. Uh, is there anything like that? Is STLV your, your one con of the year, or do you have something else coming up uh, in addition to the, the films and such that you're doing, Lisa? Um, STLV is the one that I go to as an attendee that I've been going to since 2003. I will go to as long as it, as long as they have it, I'm sure. Um, it's just, you know, I, that I have my, I'm sure we all, everyone who goes to Vegas has their Vegas family that they see once a year and missing that is just kind of not an option. Um, Mm -hmm. There are other conventions that will invite me or other members of Star Trek Continues uh, cast and crew. Uh, we go to Silicon Valley Comic Con pretty much. We missed this last year because of conflicts, but um, we'll go to WonderCon. We screened our finale episode at uh, Stan Lee's Comic Con. They changed the year, the name this year, so I was trying to remember. Um, so yeah, there are always, there's always something on the horizon. Uh, as far as work, I am hopefully working on a feature film, uh, helping to produce a feature film in Napa, uh, Napa Valley, California, October, November, and then, uh, setting up the premiere for my short film when the train stops on early December, there'll be a VIP premiere likely at the Dick Clark production center. There's a okay. sweet, sweet screening room that I'm looking at. So excited for that. Very cool. And I know you've said the title a couple of times, and I also happen to know that it's the URL. But can you tell everyone, please, where they could find more information uh, on the film and where they can keep up? Yes, absolutely. We've got all the social media channels covered. Well, three of them. Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. On Twitter, we are WTTS Movie. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at When the Train Stops, and the URL is WhenTheTrainStops.com. Very cool. Well, I, I we I, I don't I, well I, I always say this, and then I realize probably I could if I tried hard enough. But I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. <laughs> I really I mean, appreciate it. I know, right? But yeah. I should have started like five minutes ago if I were going to do that. It's better to just do the whole Hollywood thing and say, I couldn't possibly say thank you enough. But really, thank you for being here. You've been fantastic. <laughs> I will do lunch. Yeah. Oh, hey. nice. Have your people <laughs> call John's people and they'll get in touch with me. Yeah, maybe. Uh, thank you so much, Lisa. And thank you to all of the callers and all the viewers who joined us tonight. 
It is my solemn duty to remind you that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, and The Trek Files. So thank you again to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.